This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Uliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom in Mind, a podcast about maternal mental health from conception, pregnancy, to birth and postpartum. Real stories from moms and family members who've made it from struggling to wellness, and interviews with experts and advocates who work for moms and families to get the help they need. We discuss very real struggles that can sometimes be hard to hear, but these are stories that need to be told so that moms and families can know that healing is possible. This podcast is meant to offer information and awareness and is not a replacement for treatment by a professional or professional training. Thank you for being with us today. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Mom and Mind podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. Today on the podcast, I'm talking with Andrea Schneider, LCSW, who is, in my opinion, a brilliant therapist and someone who knows a lot about trauma and maternal mental health and very specifically relational trauma and maternal mental health. And one of her specialties is supporting people through narcissistic abuse recovery. And if you don't know anything about that as a specialty, I suggest you look into it. It's fascinating and also takes a really skilled clinician to know kind of what they're doing and the lay of the land and how to help people recover from that type of relational trauma. And on this episode today, she's going to break it down for us. And what is relational trauma? What is trauma-informed therapy? And a couple of really important things to understand about how our early relationships in life and relationships that we've had that have really impacted us in a negative way, sometimes in ways that we don't even know, might be impacting us when we have a child. She'll touch a little bit on mothers and a little bit on fathers. It's a really great introduction into how traumatic relationships or relational trauma can impact us. This is a fascinating discussion, and I think one that we should have multiple times and look at all facets of how our relationships impact what life is like when we have a baby. She's going to give us a lot of good information about what it is, what it looks like, what you can do, what you might be experiencing, and certainly for therapists who are looking to support and help people who've had really difficult and traumatic relationships, how to support them through the perinatal period. She has a ton of great resources that she lists and goes through in here. So, you know, take notes if you need to. So you can check out all of the resources that she suggests. 
Andrea Schneider is a licensed clinical social worker and psychotherapist in private practice in San Dimas, California. She obtained her BA in psychology from UCLA and a master's in social work from the University of Michigan. Andrea's practice centers on a broad range of concerns related to trauma, including narcissistic abuse recovery, maternal mental health, special needs parenting, and grief and loss. She is EMDR trained and writes a regular blog for Psych Central, The Minds Journal, and on goodtherapy.org. She has a podcast entitled The Savvy Shrink. In addition to providing psychotherapy for clients in her office and by phone, she also supervises pre-licensed therapists and provides training for clinics and hospitals in the area. Let's meet Andrea. Welcome, Andrea. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a long time coming for us to have a chat. You are a colleague that I look up to. You're doing amazing work in the world, and I'm really excited to share your knowledge with everybody. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your having me here, and I really appreciate all the work that you do on your podcast, sharing so much great information with moms out there. Thanks. I'm going to share all of the awesome resources that you provide a little bit towards the end of our chat today. Great. Because you do some really amazing stuff. But first, if you can tell us a little bit about the work that you do. Sure. I'm an LCSW psychotherapist in private practice in San Dimas out in the San Gabriel Valley of Los Angeles. And the bulk of my practice focuses on working with people who've been impacted by trauma, which is a pretty broad category but I tend to focus on a few specific populations, one of which is maternal mental health and new families, adults having children, maybe experiencing perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, perinatal loss, such as miscarriage, stillbirth, traumatic birth, infertility, etc. And then I also work with a lot of people from the general population, both men and women, who have experienced traumatic grief or traumatic losses and relational trauma, specifically as relates to toxic relationships in romance, in family of origin, or work environments. And That could also be considered narcissistic abuse or psychological abuse in any of those life domains. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there's an intersection between these different populations. I've worked with some moms that have also had some relational trauma and it sort of compounds or exacerbates their perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. And it's not calcitive per se, but it certainly adds another layer of work to do in the aftermath of healing. So Mm -hmm. in a nutshell, that's what I do in my private practice. Yeah, I'm really fascinated. I mean, you do such amazing work and kind of narcissistic abuse recovery. And certainly I'd love to learn more about how you see or what is relational trauma and how that relates to maternal mental health in this kind of new phase of motherhood. Sure. Well, thank you. And I think um, kind of bridging those specialties with maternal mental health and also helping people to heal from relational trauma seems to be pretty poignant for a lot of new parents because, you know, it's oftentimes when someone is caregiving for the first time with their own child that potentially some unresolved hurts from the past can surface. Mm-hmm. You know, when a mom is mothering her baby for the first time, she 
intuitively needs mothering herself. And so oftentimes we'll hopefully have a positive framework for somebody who's been a positive attachment or caregiver in her life that has nurtured her and maybe potentially is there for her to help her in this journey of motherhood. In some circumstances, however, that's just not possible. Mm-hmm. And perhaps there was an abusive or absent caregiver in that woman's childhood or even in the father's childhood. This can surface for dads and partners as well. So it's Mm -hmm. not just the biological mom that's given birth that can be impacted by unresolved hurt, but it, it can be either caregiver kind of remembering some unresolved hurts from the past, or it could also be a circumstance where the client is actually in an abusive relationship currently Uh and maybe the significant other is, is the other parent of the child. So these are all very concerning circumstances that, again, can compound depression, anxiety, PTSD, even during pregnancy or after giving birth. But relational trauma seems to be kind of one of the buzzwords out there in addition to narcissistic abuse recovery. And some traumatologists compare relational trauma to complex PTSD. Mm-hmm. There is a therapist in the Bay Area whose name is Pete Walker, and he has a book called Complex PTSD from Surviving to Thriving. Mm -hmm. It's a really good book that describes relational trauma and complex PTSD. Also, there's a therapist online. His name is Don, Ron Doctor, PhD, and he describes relational trauma as arising from prolonged periods of aversive stress, usually involving entrapment, either psychological or physical, Mm -hmm. repeated violations of boundaries, betrayal, rejection, confusion, marked by a lack of control and helplessness. And common situations can include bullying, harassment, physical, sexual, and emotional, verbal abuse, domestic violence, substance abuse, stalking, threats, separation loss, and unresolved grief and neglect. Mm. And that comes from his website, rondoctor.com. So that's how one traumatologist describes relational trauma. Wow, that could touch on so many people's lives. Definitely. It absolutely could. It could. And two, one of the original traumatologists, Judith Herman, who wrote Trauma and Recovery back in 1992, describes relational trauma as encompassing relationships that where there exists a profound violation of human connection Mm -hmm. in which healthy attachment is impaired and in some cases either severed or at minimum injured significantly. So, Mm -hmm. you know, these are broad concepts, but relational Trauma can be found in circumstances of child maltreatment, sexual abuse, sexual harassment, rape, psychological, emotional abuse, and as I mentioned before, domestic violence, bullying, narcissistic abuse, abandonment, mm-hmm. rejection, etc. So new moms are definitely at risk for if they've had any prior abuse history or traumatic event, either single incident or long-term and chronic, they are definitely at risk for experiencing some right. PTSD symptomatology and trauma symptomatology as well. This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories 
that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time, solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. I mean, I think that's a great encapsulation of all the ways in which somebody could be affected. It seems to me, maybe you've seen this too, that some people come in for therapy and they don't realize that they've had trauma. And so when we're kind of giving a word to it, they're just realizing Uh it for the first time. So people may be going through their whole life not really knowing how they've been affected by relationships or that that was just like what was normal in their families. And so it doesn't register as traumatic. So like, what are some signs that a person might notice if they've been impacted by this? How might they feel? What might they experience? That's a really good question. Because oftentimes, yes, you're right. The word trauma is pretty loaded and it can also feel kind of stigmatizing, I think also Mm -hmm. for a lot of people, even depression, anxiety, etc. And part of, I think, the way to approach it is to really gather some information in the assessment, but to provide psychoeducation as well from the get-go with a client and just really kind of bring the word trauma in there or prior losses or prior events that have been stressful and allow the client to narrate her story, which could involve her own description of whatever she's experienced if she's comfortable sharing. So, you know, certainly knowing about it ahead of time is helpful in the assessment. But as you said, there are some people that don't even know that there's a word for this. It Mm -hmm. is trauma that some of that might have been buried or it's not been something that's on a level of conscious awareness. So, Mm -hmm. you know, what often will happen though, is that in my experience in working with new moms, sometimes they will notice a sense of loss or sadness in missing Mm -hmm. a absent or 
abusive caregiver that they had wished could be present to meet their child if, in fact, they're no longer in contact with that parent or if they're trying to determine whether it's safe to introduce their child to an extended family member. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, that will come to the surface front and center because mm-hmm. when we talk about working with new moms, we're also looking for who is in their social support network that can help them at this time. Mm-hmm. And I know that you talk about that a lot in your podcasts and, and how to help new moms. But as we kind of assess and figure out who is in that individual's life to support her, we can find more information about who she is connected with in her biological family, but then also who is she with in terms of romance, if she is with a significant other, and are they Mm -hmm. safe people for her to lean on. Mm -hmm. So, you know, signs and symptoms of potentially having relational trauma, somebody who might have something really extreme, like complex PTSD, will often have hypervigilance, numbing, PTSD type Mm -hmm. symptomatology, some people actually dissociate, if you can believe it or not, and Mm -hmm. are disconnected from family members and sort of have this numbing reaction to, Mm -hmm. you know, other people in their family. They may also have alterations in their affect or difficulty regulating emotions. Mm -hmm. Some may manifest a chronic and pervasive sense of hopelessness, Mm. or they may talk about an ambivalent relationship where there might be some evidence of trauma bonding. There could be a sense of avoidance or alienation from safe relationships and also alterations in one's self-perceptions of of being a good enough mom in some cases, Mm. which leads me to... I wanted to mention the work of Carol McBride, who is Mm -hmm. one of the main pioneers in the field dealing specifically with adult children of narcissistic parents. And she's written prolifically. She has a website called Will I Ever Be Good Enough? And she talks about how, you know, people can be plagued with recollections of emotional and psychological abuse at different times in their life, but certainly mama clients that are impacted by narcissistic or relational abuse or trauma, you know, are trying to attach in a healthy way to their babies. But sometimes this trauma rises up at just the moment when mama is trying to embrace the joy of motherhood. So, you know, likewise, if the mom is in a toxic relationship with an emotionally abusive partner or employed in a toxic work environment, mm-hmm. then she's also definitely more at risk for not only developing a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder, but if she already has one, having that magnified, given that mm-hmm. there's already dramatic hormonal, biochemical, and role transition dynamics that are going on. So yeah. it's kind of a hodgepodge of the symptomatology, but I think doing a really thorough trauma-informed assessment is very helpful and to kind of be on the lookout for symptoms of PTSD, but also more complex PTSD, depression, anxiety, et cetera. Okay. So if they're able or willing to go into therapy, Mm -hmm. then they may already have a sense that something's not quite right. Right. And in a supportive environment, they can kind of get some more of this information. Yes. I mean... That's for some people, I imagine, can just be life changing to hear that there's a name, like you right. were saying, for what they're experiencing. And that's exactly. not it's not just them. Yes, I think that's very helpful. 
and validating. It's if someone knows that they have experienced relational trauma or more specifically something like narcissistic abuse and they are able to receive the psychoeducation and understanding of what it was and then also to determine that they're not to blame. That's really, really healing and liberating for so many clients and new moms and allows them to free themselves up to really focus on the tasks at hand in the here and now with the baby. But a lot of this work is very long-term work, and it's not something that's easily resolvable in short-term solution-focused therapy. So Mm -hmm. if there is a PMAD, a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder, or there's some PTSD going on, it's recommended to really treat the acute symptoms of those particular circumstances and then to delve more into the trauma and the grief work in time as the mom is stabilized and able to take care of our basic necessities with sleep, nutrition, a little bit of exercise, and having adequate social support in place and, you know, really resourcing her to be sure she's got some coping skills in place before delving into this tough work. Right. Yeah. And I'm also kind of thinking about the mom who is considering therapy and, you know, a lot of people, I mean, on some level don't want to deal with this stuff because it's very challenging. And, you know, if you're already feeling bad, do you want to go and talk about the thing that makes you feel bad? Exactly. It can be a really tough decision to make. I mean, just in terms of how therapy goes, it can get a little hard before it gets better because now you are figuring this stuff out and talking about it. But like, what would you say to moms who are kind of in that state where they're suffering and yeah. they're not sure if they want to go and really like find out what this is all about? Sure, sure. I think that's a really good question for sure. I think moms need to have some hope that there can be relief from not only the biochemical component of healing in the aftermath of a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder, but then on a second level or tier of healing, if there is trauma and grief work to do, that that can also be tackled, but it doesn't have to be all at once. It can be multi-layered and it can be paced in such a way that is at the client's pace, it's client directed, so that the client feels empowered to master his or her traumas and move through it. But I think having some sense of satisfaction that they're resolving some acute symptoms and feeling better is really important initially and to really stabilize in that area. And as the client feels better biochemically and as having sleep restored, feels a lift in mood health and a containment in anxiety, if it looks as though there is some trauma and grief work in the client's past that she might want to delve into that can be presented as an option, but then the therapist really needs to go into some psychoeducation about what that will look like. And then, Mm -hmm. as you said, really prepare her that it may feel very bumpy at first. It may feel worse before it feels better because it's sort of like excising a wound and cleaning Mm -hmm. it out, so to speak. And lancing the wound, it's a really gross analogy, but lancing it it hurts really bad at first, but in time, there's tremendous relief. So Mm -hmm. the timing is everything. And she definitely needs to be in a stable place to be able to do that kind of work and have not only internal and external resources, but at least a few strong social supports in place and Mm -hmm. hopefully like a support group as well that could Mm -hmm. also buffer her and help her during this time, maybe a doula, that type of thing. Right. 
yeah, have as much softness around and, and a soft place to land, so to speak, exactly. as possible. Definitely. If I can go back for just a quick second, you also mentioned that this can come up for new fathers. Can you speak mm-hmm. to that just a little bit? Yes. And I think it's important to bring up daddies because they're just as important as mamas. We often overlook them. And I'm glad that you bring that up again. Men definitely can be impacted by paternal depression and anxiety as well. And they may not have the biochemical upheavals that a woman giving birth has, but they're certainly exposed to profound sleep deprivation and role change and lots of pressures and responsibilities. So Dads or significant others are not immune from any form of perinatal depression or anxiety. But as relates to trauma and loss, also that is the case where Mm -hmm. a significant other, if they've had an experience of relational trauma, whether in family of origin, a prior romantic relationship, or even a current romantic relationship, or work environment that's been toxic and hurtful, where that attachment has been impacted negatively and the outcome has been that of rejection or feeling a dip in feelings of self-worth as relates to identity, then oftentimes that person will experience a resurgence of symptoms of relational trauma from the past mm. while they're in the throes of trying to actively caregive for their new baby. So whether it's the biological mom that's given birth or the significant other, they're definitely just as vulnerable as the biological mom because oftentimes when a new generation comes around, any grief or trauma that hasn't been dealt with before that's just under the surface, unfortunately, will burst through whether or not somebody wants to deal with it. Activating that sense of needing to feel like you're part of a tribe or community. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, for some people, that is just, they don't have that option. So Mm -hmm. having a compassionate therapist to help deal with those concerns and support groups can be very helpful. That's a lot. I mean, like you were saying, a huge upheaval to the whole dynamic. If there is, you know, a partnership and a baby comes into it and both of the partners have experienced some kind of relational trauma, then it could be potentially playing out between the two of them. Right. Two. And certainly, again, if it's kind of one of those situations where you're not aware of how your past has affected you, Mm -hmm. it would be really hard to know how it's affecting your current relationship. Yes, for sure. And so again, I think that goes back to psychoeducation and just really hearing the story of the client that they're coming to the table with and finding out what they want to be working on and what's Mm -hmm. going on in all of their relationships, what's working, what isn't working, and Mm -hmm. unifying with the client to really come up with a strategy of healing that's beneficial while weaving in some psychoeducation on what is a healthy relationship, what isn't a healthy relationship. And oftentimes clients have an idea of what that looks like, or some have Google searched narcissistic abuse. That happens to be another major buzzword that's out there. Mm -hmm. And they already know so much about narcissistic abuse, they could write a book themselves. So... I find that some people are really, really informed about what they've experienced, and that's Mm -hmm. really half the battle is understanding it and lowering the cognitive dissonance. But those that don't know what's hit them, it's a shock, and it's a kind of burst through any denial if there was any denial there before. 
and it mm-hmm. may or may not be the right timing to delve into that. So well, right, you're timing. exactly, and that can be really hard to sift through and figure out what's what, especially if there's just a brand new baby and you're just trying to figure out how you're going to sleep. Exactly, and then dealing with all of that other layer. Exactly, and so it may not be the right time to really do that intense work until maybe a year after giving birth or maybe five years. I mean, it just really depends on where the mom is at or the significant others at in terms of intensity of what they're experiencing. Are they having flashbacks? Are they actively mourning an absent or abusive parent? Hmm. Are they in a relationship with somebody that's abusive to them? That type of thing. Mm -hmm. So, Again, it starts with triage. I know you're a pro at this too, and you know all about assessment, of course, so I'm preaching to the choir, but stabilizing all of those acute symptoms first and then offering the second layer of work if the timing is right for the client. When somebody is ready for therapy, what kinds of therapy do you think is best suited for these folks that are dealing with this relational trauma? Sure. You know, anything that is trauma-informed and evidence-based, I find, is very helpful. I believe in any brain-wise intervention. I really like the work of Bessel van der Kolk and The Body Keeps the Score, and he writes quite a bit about lots of different approaches that are trauma-informed, including EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. I found that's been very helpful for single incident trauma, such as a birth trauma or something that's more long-term with complex trauma. However, that is more of a long-term intervention. It's Mm -hmm. pretty intensive and complex, but I found it to be very helpful In addition to some expressive arts interventions, Mm. uh, the work of Kathy Malchiotti, she has an online expressive arts institute where she will train people in learning different modalities that are brain-wise through the use of expressive arts. And I had the privilege of being able to get a certificate with her. And I really recommend her work too as also another trauma-informed approach using expressive arts. I also like mindfulness-based cognitive behavioral therapies. I think Mm -hmm. that that's very helpful and their research has shown quite a bit of merit with that. Other therapists are trained in more of somatic experiencing. Peter Levine's work, who wrote the book Waking the Tiger, and there's others that are helpful. But I think definitely going back to interpersonal role change, I think Mm -hmm. that's really important. Strengths focused Mm -hmm. is vital. Because so often survivors of relational trauma are victim shamed or blamed. So a strengths focused empowering approach is is critical Mm -hmm. to in order for somebody to feel safe enough to heal and just the relationship, building that trust with the therapist and Mm -hmm. having a safe holding environment Mm -hmm. to explore all of these concerns at her pace is critical. That is so critical, right? Having that safe space. Can you just briefly for people maybe who are new to the concept, can you explain what trauma-informed means? Sure, sure. So that's another buzzword, (laughs) all these words kind of being thrown out there. Trauma-informed is basically an approach that allows a client to be able to have access to resources that are evidence-based that support the healing of trauma. And 
there's a lot of different neuropsychologists that talk about the theory of the triune brain and how healing happens on a very stepwise neurosequential sort of process. Bruce Perry was one of the first neuroscientists that really coined the term neurosequential and talked about the triune brain and how we hold trauma in our bodies and the way we can release it is through expressing it somatically but also expressively verbally happens at the end after we've been able to access expression through somatic and emotional then we're able to put a narrative to our story and use cognitive work to be able to master the trauma so basically trauma informed means having some understanding of how the brain and the body hold trauma and how to heal it and it seems to be cutting-edge research for researchers such as Bessel van der Kolk and others out there in the field. So it's pretty exciting times to be on the planet to have access to these (laughs) interventions. Right. Absolutely. So certainly for people who are looking into therapy, that those are some great directions to look into. And for people who are not quite ready or who are considering it, how do people who are dealing with this or are just maybe even just for today listening to this and hearing for the first time and resonating, what can they do in terms of coping and sort of taking care of themselves as they're feeling through this just on their own? Yes. Well, I think if someone is feeling off kilter or they suspect they either are experiencing depression, anxiety, some sort of trauma reaction or grief reaction, so many people are internet savvy and will start doing Google searches on whatever symptoms they're experiencing. But I think it's important for survivors of any of these circumstances to have access to qualified vetted information that's not catastrophic or makes their circumstances worse by reading about someone else's story that may or may not have anything to do with them. So in terms of maternal health, absolutely go to postpartum.net, which is Postpartum Support International for all sorts of really wonderful information. Go to Mom and Mind, (laughs) a wonderful podcast there for some great information. In terms of relational trauma and narcissistic abuse recovery, there's a lot out there on the web. And some of it is helpful and some of it is overloaded and kind of, I would be careful and cautious. So Mm -hmm. I think one place I would recommend starting would be the website of Christine Louis de Cannonville, who's an Irish therapist. Her website is NarcissisticBehavior.com, and she goes into detail about relational trauma, as does Carol McBride, WillIEverBeGoodEnough.com. Those are excellent resources. Also, Shahida Arabi of the Self-Care Haven writes a lot about relational trauma, both in love, work, and family, and her website is Self-Care Haven. So those are some really good websites and places to get started, kind of gathering information and seeing if there's any relevant, applicable information. But then beyond that, instead of having someone try to diagnose themselves, it's important for them to reach out and get help with somebody who's been trained Mm -hmm. that can help them and assist them. I have to say, too, I'm going to shout out to you and how you write about narcissistic abuse recovery is so thorough and clear. I think it just gives such great information in a really easily digestible way. Thank you. For people who are just learning about it. And where can people find those blogs? 
Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. One blog that I'm working on right now is with Psych Central. It's called The Savvy Shrink. And I write about a lot of different concerns related to trauma, but a lot on narcissistic abuse recovery. So that's one place. The Minds Journal, I've pretty exclusively about narcissistic abuse recovery and relational trauma. And then goodtherapy.org. I had several articles on my profile that range from trauma to narcissistic abuse recovery, maternal wellness, special needs parenting, grief and loss, etc. So those are my main blogs at the moment. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. And you have a podcast called The Savvy Shrink. Yeah, I do. And can you tell folks what you're focusing on there? Yes. With the Savvy Shrink podcast, I'm interviewing experts in the field of trauma again. So some will have some experience helping people with relational trauma. Specifically, others might be experts in maternal mental health and others there might be sort of crossover where that's concerned. Mm -hmm. But the goal is to interview people that have experience and expertise in helping people with trauma and to help them to get some tools and resources for healing. That's great. That's a fantastic resource. You do so much. Thank so, you. So, so much good. And I love the way you write. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. It's um, Writing is very difficult and you do such a good it job is. at it. Oh, thank you yeah. so much. I appreciate it. Yeah. So for people who are listening, whether it's therapists or mamas or dads or folks who have children, what kind of hopeful messages can you share? What have you seen in terms of people recovering and getting to the point where they feel better? Yes. I think there is a lot of reason to be hopeful 
And I think that's a very important message to share with listeners is that there's a lot of reason to be hopeful, no matter how profound or challenging their relationship or trauma history may be. The good news is that with motivation and some fortitude, anybody can heal if they put their mind to it. Mm-hmm. Is it going to take some time? Absolutely. Right. If we're dealing with acute symptoms of a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder, that's relatively resolvable and relatively short period of time. But when we're looking at relational trauma or complex trauma, that's going to take a lot more time. So I think it's important for survivors to understand that it's not an overnight process and that, you know, it's going to be bumpy, but there's a lot of reason to be hopeful. I feel really honored and privileged to be able to bear witness to the healing of the clients I work with and to see them feel better and to feel empowered to really master their traumas. And they're doing really tough work. So I think there is tremendous reason to be hopeful that they can move and from feeling like they're just surviving to entering a place of thriving. Will it take time to get there? Yes, absolutely. But there's all the reason in the world to be hopeful about that. Right. I really appreciate that perspective of hopefulness because it's so, I think, especially for people who are just kind of considering getting into therapy or getting the support to work through these things, it's hard to know where this is going to end up, where this kind of work is going to yes. end up. I think oftentimes people feel like they're going to open this Pandora's box. It's never going to end. They're going to feel overwhelmed all of the time. But really with a skilled therapist who knows what they're doing, that's not the case. You know, you get the help that you need. You get the coping skills and tools along the way and you work through it. And then you get to live your life the way you want to once this other stuff is out of the way. Absolutely. There's a lot of reason to be free of any of that extra baggage that anyone's holding on to, to be able to release it and to have more energy that opens up to the here and now and the future, really focused on the new generation, the new baby, new life, and to be free of anything that was holding one down before. It's totally worth the work. It just takes a lot of time and energy and there's many layers to dig through. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Traumatic grief can be cyclical as well, and some people may come in for therapy for a while and then take a break mm-hmm. and then do another layer of healing. So it's, it's sort of like this very cyclical process in terms of healing for some people, especially when they hit milestone dates mm-hmm. during the calendar. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of reason to be hopeful. I've seen it with my own eyes yeah. and that people do heal and move from a place of feeling like they're suffering to thriving. It's very probable. Oh. And, you know, when people have a sense of motivation, when they start to feel better and have some of those acute symptoms resolve and they feel more like themselves Mm -hmm. again, then it's often at that point in time, they're like, okay, well, maybe I could do some more of this deeper work. But honoring that person's pacing is absolutely critical. That's fantastic. I really hope that people who are considering doing this work for themselves or hearing what you just said and know that they can feel better. And I thank you so much for your expertise and your time in this area. There's so much more that we could be getting into. And this is just a great, really awesome glimpse into how maternal mental health can be really impacted distinctly by these relational traumas. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing that with us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and really honored to be a guest. 
Thank you again, Andrea, for coming on with us. It's such a wealth of information that she provides. There's just so much to think about in terms of you know, how to understand what's going on for yourself if you've had uh, relational trauma in your life and how it might be impacting the way you parent, the way you view yourself, the things that you need right now, the feelings that you don't understand. And it can be really complicated and can feel overwhelming. And thankfully, it sounds like there are a lot of great places to go to start gathering information and to really consider how to get support and help to get through something like this so that you can get to the life that you want to live and you don't have to be bogged down by the difficulty that comes up because of relational trauma that's happened in the past. I'm going to give you guys some resources so you can connect with Andrea. Her website, andreaschneiderlcsw.com. She's on Facebook on Twitter at Savvy Shrink and at Andrea Schneid. And her podcast again is blogtalkradio.com slash the Savvy Shrink. I'll have all of that up for you in the show notes for you to be able to connect with Andrea. As usual, I would love to connect with you guys even more. If you're open and willing, come on over to the Mom and Mind Connection Facebook group. I will also put a link for that into our show notes. It's really important for us to be continuing to have the conversation, ask the questions you want to ask, talk to me about the things that you want to learn more about and know more about, and keep the dialogue going so that you can, of course, know that you're not alone, whether you're a mom going through it yourself or you're a therapist or a helping professional who is supporting moms and dads and families through this period of time. Let's stay connected and support each other. As usual, I'm so grateful that you joined us today and until next time. By joining us today, you are part of the growing community of people who are aware and concerned for mothers and families during this beautiful and sometimes very difficult time of life. If you or someone you know is having a hard time, help is available. You can feel better. Please look for resources for help at momandmind.com. Together, we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Thank you for listening and being a part of the Mom and Mind community. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.